Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. We have a busy week this week, a, a section championship week, if you're talking about football and, and volleyball, and a state uh, tournament or state meet week, if you're talking about soccer and cross country. So a lot of good stuff to get to. This is a, a great time of the year, I think. And what do we about you, Jim Paulson? How does this rate for you? Yeah, it's a busy time of year. Thanks for having me on, though, Dave. I appreciate it. It's a busy time of year. It's a fun time of year. There's always things going on. You know, you get into a lull during the season, and it happens, you know, in every uh, spring, fall, winter sports, where you're going to go through the middle of the season, and you're just kind of running things on a routine. Um, but And then the end of the season comes, and everything just kind of, you know, cul- uh, culminates at once, and it gets to be – uh, uh, an awful lot, but it, it breaks up the monotony a little bit and gets to be fun. So, I've always liked it because you know if you're if you're out on an average soccer game, for example, or even if an average volleyball match on a Tuesday or a Thursday, it's like, well, I mean, maybe there's some section seating implications, or maybe this is a couple of top ten teams ranked. But what's the real, true cosmic significance? You don't have to ask that question this time of year. If you win. You move on. We know what, what we know exactly what the stakes are, and if you lose, you're done. So I, I like that part of it, just because we know exactly how this game we're covering fits into the big picture, and and it's very clear. So I've always appreciated that part of it. Um, starting with I agree football, with you. I, I did want to say this one thing though: you and have covered, you and I have both covered enough um, section finals and and playoff uh, sports, football, and what have you, where it can be kind of awkward when you have to go down and do some interviews after the game, after to a lo- talking to a losing team, you have to fight through tears and determine whether or not we should actually be talking to this person, whether or not we should just back away a little bit. Uh, um, that's always one of the, the most difficult parts for me is, is you've got one side, people are jubilant, they're moving on. On the other hand, teams entire seasons and sometimes their entire careers just came to an end. It's uh, something you have to, uh, you have to watch carefully when you're uh, doing post-game interviews. Yeah, to that end, I got to give credit to Mark Esch. He is the Minnetonka football coach, Minnetonka. They were in a 4-5 game that I was covering last week against Lakeville North, and and Lakeville North won the game at Minnetonka. And so, to your point, you go over the Minnetonka area, and there's kids on their knees, there's a lot of tears, there's a lot of hugs. And I'm like, okay, where where do I begin here? And uh, Mark just kind of jogged up from wherever he was standing. He saw me before I saw him, and he, I don't want to call it a smile, but he looked relatively pleasant given what he had, the team had just gone through. And, and he was you know, very easy to talk to. And, and I, like I said, I really appreciated that because it's uh, it's not an easy time of year for coaches. And, and uh, as a reporter, as you said, you want to tread carefully. And, you know, I, I kind of admire a guy like Mark in a situation like that because he does – it seems to me like he's got things in the proper perspective. It's never easy to lose. And you put all this time and effort into uh, your athletic season together, whether, what's, no matter which sport it is. But uh, to have the perspective on that, that it's life isn't over, that there's still things to talk about, there's still things that can be done, um, and to, ha- to have him show that uh, in front of the kids, I think is uh, is commendable to a coach that can that can take that uh, route. Yeah, well, I mentioned that was a minor upset, a five beating a four. Lakeville North had a, a losing record going into the game, so. Minor upsets. Uh, what what else? Would you, what did you see in, in, in any of the games you covered last week that stood out to you as far as surprises or, or things that impressed you? Well, a 
couple of things. First of all, you talked about the five four thing. I think in class six A there was three of the four um five four matchups ended up being going you know, the way of the, the five seed. I know that uh Forest Lake um went into Egan, built up a big lead and held them off in a in a matchup of two teams that uh, hadn't had any playoff success or even, you know, the past five or six years and suddenly two programs uh on the rise. That was uh, an awful lot of excitement at Egan High School for a program that hadn't hosted a playoff game since 2014. They'd endured a number of winless seasons, as had uh, um, Forest Lake in the past decade, and have two teams like that competing uh, in meaningful games on a playoff, the first round of the playoffs. I thought it was fun. That's kind of what you like to see. There, The crowd was uh, electric. Both uh, sides of the field, the home side of the stands and the uh, opposing side of the stands on the other side, that was the Forest Lake side, were packed with the fans that had made the trip to see their team. And that's exactly what you like to see. Sometimes you get the same old teams and you know who's going to be good, um, but to have two programs that had stepped up and really made a statement this year and showed that they're probably on the way back um, and looks like they could be good for a couple of years coming uh, down the road. I really enjoyed seeing that game. That was uh, that was fun for me. Well, and both of those teams are in the Maroon District. That is a, a new, I think, a second year of the alignments of between Maroon and Gold districts among the among the six A teams in the Metro. And if you look at it on paper, the Gold Division has overwhelming advantage in terms of state tournament experience, in terms of winning and success. The Maroon, not as much. And I'm wondering. As you as we look at these these six uh, A, what are section finals? Even though they don't really call them that, it's it's the round that gets it's the round that produces the final eight teams to go to state. There's five maroon teams that are going to be competing in their section finals on on Friday. Of Forest Lake, you mentioned is one of them. I'm just curious how they're going to fare. Uh, a lot of them play. In fact, they all play a gold team, and I'm wondering how that's going to play out because at this time of year you start to see that that tradition and of, of success and, and what these programs on the gold division side, you know, they're there for a reason. Um, Maroon is good because it, again, helps teams get some relief and, and helps you know, you get into the world or force Lake of the world kind of get back on their feet, but playoff time now, and there's no, uh, there, no one's, <laughs> no one's trying to make anybody feel better about themselves. And so I'm wondering, you know, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, Forest Lake, Eastridge, Moundsview. I'm wondering, how do you think any of those will fare this 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 Friday night? Well, you know, interesting thing. I was thinking about that today. I'm doing a little something. It's actually going to be um, published pretty soon on five things that uh, that we gleaned from last weekend's uh, playoffs and going into this weekend. And I'm, I'm one of the things I noted that the seedings were pretty much spot on this year. That there weren't, even though we had some four or five matchups that went the way of the five seed in class to 6A. Um, for the most part, up and down the uh, section playoffs, there weren't many upsets. I think there were only um, six number one seeds um, that went down of, of the 52 number one seeds in all seven classes of football that lost in the last weekend. Um, and some of those, and most of those were, that wasn't their first game. It was that those one seeds got buys in their first round. So they got a, a more quality opponent in that second round on Saturday. So I think for the most part, the seasons were spot on this year. And I'm going to look at in class six, a in the same way, just looking at it. I don't see any of the games in class six, a at this point 
that really jump out to me as being uh, an upset special. I mean, there's very good teams on both sides. I mean, White Bear Lake has been an underrated team all season long. They go to Lakeville South, for example. Um, Eastridge has been a very good team this season. They throw the ball uh, uh, well. I think it's Tanner Zolnoski. I think it's their quarterback. It's been pretty fantastic. And, but they go to Prior Lake, which is a big, beefy, you know, beat you into submission kind of a football team. Um, that's the same thing. Edina has been underrated all season long. A lot of talent there. They go to Centennial, but trying to beat Centennial at Centennial is difficult. It's like, you know, battling a Wolverine. It's a bunch of tough-nosed, hard-nosed kids that'll, you know, do anything they can, and they find a way to, to pull things out at the end. I just, I just don't see any of these games being an upset special in the Class 6A bracket. Um, if there's one, possibly, possibly Eastridge and Prior Lake. Prior Lake has had a history in the past of coming up small in the postseason. Other than that, Woodbury at Eden Prairie. Eden Prairie is a favorite. Monsview, Chacobee. Chacobee the favorite. Was that a Rosemont? Rosemont again. So, um, Forest Lake and Maple Grove. Yeah, Maple Grove, they're number one. So, I, I just don't see any any uh, upsets in the, the big schools. How about you? I know. I think your assessment is spot on. I was just going to pivot off of 6A to surprise teams that are that are out there. I've, I, I don't know if you can put up a better case for the best, the, the most surprising team than Benil St. Margaret. 0-8. 0-8 in the regular season. And these were not close results, by the way, uh, except for maybe at the very end. They played Orono to eight points. They played Cooper to seven. Um, but otherwise, they really struggled. So I don't know if they've gotten healthy or what has happened, but they're, uh, we're, they're one win away from making the state tournament all of a sudden. So for people that, that – and I'm one of them. I, I, I question whether everybody needs to make the playoffs, but Benil St. Margaret is, is shutting me up with this run. You know, and, and that is exactly the argument for making the playoffs. You never know what can happen in this situation. Now, a lot of people will say that's a one-time Hoosiers kind of experience. Generally, the better teams, you know, win and they win handle at the uh, handling at this point of the season and and they're uh the upsets are few and far between but i think most people cite up in the St. market a team like that that uh, finally came through and uh had a big season and a big uh uh postseason run started coming through together he said you i, I saw them play at spring lake park uh earlier this year and you know, the, their defense spring lake park just manhandled them and uh, i think that's uh Benilde a team that's not that far removed from the state championship a couple of years ago that they've got an, a completely overhauled coaching staff. I think Sean McMenemy, who was a former Minneapolis Southwest and De La Salle coach is out coaching over there, but to get the team together, they've beaten Richfield, they've beaten uh, SMB in back-to-back games. Um, that's the type of thing that, that uh, kind of warms your heart. You love to see a team uh, come together at the point in the postseason and play really, really well. And uh, you know, show people that they're probably a better team than, than we thought they were all season long. Any other football thoughts before we transition to one of the many sports that we have going into playoff mode this week? Yeah, well, a couple of things in smaller schools. I, I, my heart goes out to the kids at Mount West Tonka, and this is a program that for so many years, going back to 1980, up until Nick David was uh, uh, hired as the head coach there in like 2014, I think it was. Mount West Tonka hadn't even had a winning record going back that long. I think 400 or 500 had been their best record 
going back that far. And they had never had any success. Since Nick David has taken over on mound, they've been a, a winning program, and they're, and they're winning a lot. They're not, you know, five- and three-time teams. They've had four undefeated regular seasons. Um, but it just so happens that – and Nick David, the coach, admits that sometimes the section they play in doesn't toughen them up well enough for the postseason. They've gone – Four undefeated seasons in the time Nick's been there, and they've lost in the first their, their first playoff game. Each of the four years happened again on Saturday against uh, Zimmerman, and I would venture guess to say it was less what Mound West Tonka being overrated than Zimmerman being, being underrated. My goodness, that team's got some big, strong kids that are, are powerful running backs, fast running backs. I how that team was a number four seed in that section. Um, Section six, class four A, is beyond me. Um, but my heart goes out to the kids, people of Mount West Tonka who they can't seem to get any postseason success. As good as they've been in the regular seasons in the past eight or nine years, they still have never qualified for a state tournament. And, and uh, I kind of kind of feel for those kids. They're going to break through one of these days. Yeah, they will break. It's just a matter of if not when. And you wonder if, if their success. I don't know how much scheduling flexibility they have, but you wonder if the success that they have might convinced to get a non-conference matchup that if you can at least uh, control that and play a couple of tough games. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe that's one game. They only had one game to the entire season where they'd even been trailing, and that was against Fridley, which is a very good Class 4A team at, uh, at halftime, and they, they came out and scored 21 points in the third quarter and pretty much put that game on ice. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. That was a, that's a program that could probably use a little, uh, a little sharpening. You know, what is your line, Iron Sharpens iron. It's the old Proverbs term. Um, I was going to say, it's not, not my line, but yeah, that's I've, I've heard that, and I, I, I use it from time to time because it. yep. there's a lot of truth in it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, but I do have to say that uh, um, I, just, I just feel for the people of Mount West Tonkin for, that, for those kids in that program. But I do have to pat the kids in the Zimmerman on the back. They did a, a terrific game plan, and they've got some athletes on that team that I, I haven't didn't know about, but uh, – they're definitely on my radar now. Cade Spence and uh, the quarterback Brock Snow and uh, um, another running back and inside outside duo with Spence is uh, um, Matthew Freeberg. That team could make some noise uh, moving forward in class for you. Are we safe to transition to soccer? Sure. I, this this is your baby. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you handle this one. Well, we we're recording this on Tuesday morning, and, and right now the. Boys semifinals uh, are taking place at U.S. Bank Stadium. Tomorrow will be the full slate of the girls semifinals. And I, I, I'll be down there today uh, covering some games, but I'm, I just, I'm finding myself more, more drawn to the, to the girls uh, matchups, particularly in Class 3A. Rosemount's in there, and they're an awfully good team. Stillwater's defending champ. They're in there. Edina's right back in there. They lost a, a tremendous player last year, but they're, they're right back in it. And, and uh, and then the final one is oh shoot, <laughs> this is what I get for not using my notes. Is it is it it's not Centennial who was the fourth? And now they're going to end up getting mad about getting slighted. And they're going to go on and win this thing. So <laughs> whoever they are, <laughs> but uh, this, this is because that that was that was a a sport where we talked about upsets. I watched number one seed Wyzetta girls get knocked out in a, in a penalty kick shootout, and. Uh, Good thing about Mountain Institute. There we go. That's the team that yeah. knocked that out. <laughs> they beat White, yeah, and so on. There we the, go. You know, the, the, th- the thing about soccer, while I, I can't speak knowledgeably 
on many of the teams in there because I haven't done much soccer this year. I've covered enough of the state soccer tournament, and I'll be over there covering some games uh, later today, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday as well, um, is how playing indoor soccer at U.S. Bank Stadium is such a different game, how the game changes, and they'll all admit it. It's hotter inside, even though it doesn't feel like it is. It's The ball moves much quicker on the turf. The passes that they try to head man end up you know, just either going over the end line or getting scooped up by the goalkeeper. That It's a different game because of how quick the ball moves and how hot it is in there. And teams that have adapted are the ones that are a success at this time of year. Well, yeah, that's true about the turf. It is a different game. However, they do play the section finals on turf. And let's face it, if you're in the metro area, you probably aren't playing much on grass anymore um, because there's just not many of those types of fields left. But no, yes, right. if the, the team that will adjust the best to the, the crowd and the, the, the hype and you can get to their game first is, is going to be the one that has the most uh, best chance for success. Man, uh, volleyball. No, I was gonna say it's a, it's just the, they all they all seem to say and ask them what's the difference about playing here than now then they all respond and say it's so hot <laughs> it gets so warm yeah. and you know playing the indoor because you don't have the breezes and it's not outdoors and they've been used to playing outdoors in you know fifteen sixty degree weather so that that uh, it does make a difference when you get to playing indoors at U.S. Bank. We got section final week in volleyball. Um, what kinds of uh, is anything percolating that? That's of interest. Have we had any upsets? Do we have any matchups that are coming up that are the unfortunate situations where two of the best teams in the state will go together, go against each other in a section final? Uh, no, funny that you might bring that up, that um, there is one in particular that we've got a number uh, one and a number three team, um, Champlin Park. And Wyzetta, the defending champs, I think the two-time defending champs, um, are going up against each other in class uh, – uh, 4A Section 5 Wednesday night at Osseo for the Section Final. I will be there. That is a uh, definite must-see. Two teams that are just chock full of top players, great coaches, it's a big rivalry. Um, so that, that's one where only one you'll be able to see when they get to uh, uh, the XL Energy Center, but it's too bad that one has to be eliminated when they uh, get to this point of the season because both of those teams, Chandler Park and Wyzetta, deserve to be state tournament squads. They're both talented. They're both deep. They both just play a tremendous brand of volleyball and, you know, the great defense, exceptional passing, and just to have a slew of hitters. So, yeah, that should be a good section final, and that's Wednesday night at Osseo. Yeah, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but I thought when football moved to the 6A format of, of multiple number one seeds and doing the best to get the best matchups in the playoffs to happen further down the line and not in a quarterfinal or something. I thought more sports would go to that and, and that would alleviate some of the matchups that we're talking about right now, instead of having one versus three in a section final, maybe you'd see, they'd be in the semifinals or something. You know, I thought more sports would try to adopt something similar to the, to the six, a model. We'll no, see. With you. If you remember, right. Uh, they tried to do that in basketball um, a few times. And uh, David Flom, the head basketball boys basketball coach at Eden Prairie, was a big proponent of it. And he was kind of you know, pushing this around to have a, a final 64, kind of a la the NCAA basketball tournament at the top level, at the top class um, for ba- boys basketball because they thought it would generate uh, a lot of interest 
akin to the NCAA basketball tournament and then come down to eight very discerning teams when they get to the state tournament. But it just has never really caught on. I think there's teams that are wondering about uh, where they're going to play, how much travel they're going to have to do, are they, how, who wants to be seated you know, way down in that list. Um, and are, are teams not going to get a chance to play, uh, have a realistic shot at making the postseason because they're seated so far down. There was an awful lot of questioning there, but I, I, I agree with you. I thought at some point we would see more of this competitive balance type of uh, bracketing in the state tournament than we have seen. And football is still doing it right. I think Class 6A is the one that generates uh, uh, so many eyes and uh, gets the biggest uh, ratings. So it's uh, eventually eventually it will happen. When? I have no idea. Saturday, we have the cross-country state meet, uh, Classes 1, 2, and 3A, competing down at St. Olaf in uh, Northfield. And I talked before about the soccer matchups in the state tournament and the one the ones that intrigued me were more of the girls teams i'm the opposite when it comes to the cross-country state meet i'm really intrigued by the boys individual portion of the race because just coming out of section six alone it's just a murderer's row of great runners uh, sam scott from minneapolis southwest aiden jones from washburn uh noah brecker from robbinsdale who was number one for a chunk of the season and uh, won the 3,200-meter race and track uh, uh, this spring, and, and I think was second in the cross-country state meet last year. Uh, he's one to watch. Hamza Muhammad from Wyzetta. Wyzetta is, is favored to win the boys' championship again as a team, but they don't generally – I mean, they don't have a lot of star power. Hamza is as close as they have to that, and so we'll see if he can make a dent in the individual portion of the race. And then we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention – uh, junior Nick Giles, Giles from uh, Minnetonka. He's still out there and still doing his thing. So I just think that that race could really go one of six or so different ways as far as who the winner would be. And whoever it is is going to have to uh, run past a pretty strong field at the top. There's a lot less drama on the girls' side of things. Uh, Abby uh, Nicky from Wyzetta is going to run away with that thing. And, and her Wyzetta team is, is probably going to do the same. But boy, that boys' individual race is, is going to be fun to see. You know, I, I haven't covered it, but I've been to St. Olaf in the past. I can't think of a, a more perfect site for a cross-country meet than the University of St. Olaf and down in Northfield. It's, it's just a beautiful campus. I, I think that it's just it, on a, a crisp fall day. It's uh, just a great site, it sounds like to me, for a, um, a state meet. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think they'll do a nice job hosting that meet, and they 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 uh, they were able to pivot off of the classic two class format to a three class format last year, and I thought it was run very well. So, I think it's a great home for it, and uh, let's let's see who, who you know who's going to do well, and it's got it looks like we'll have a beautiful weekend for racing. So, we'll see what comes out of that and, and who we crown as champions. You're my champion, Jim, when it comes to podcast guests. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate well, before, you. Before we here. go, do you have any what do you have any what do you have any one football prediction? Anything that you wanted you wanted to say anything in football before we go? Give me one one football prediction. I'm putting you on the spot right here. And I'm not picking them because my daughter goes there. I do think Stillwater, a maroon team, a number one seed, I do think they have enough to get by Lakeville North. 
And that's not no slight on Lakeville North. They impressed the hell out of me with the way they played against Minnetonka offensively and defensively. They were really solid. Uh, but I, I, th- I do think Stillwater gets by them and, and advances to the first round of the state tournament. There we go. I, uh, and uh, I think we've got some really good uh, small school matchups in, uh, in football outside of Class 6A. The one that everyone's going to be keeping an eye on, I think, is out of um, Class 2A, Section 1. Chatfield, last year's defending champs, number one all season long, going up against Caledonia, who's I think they've won eight state championships in the past, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, so that should be uh, a section final that everybody's going to be watching. Chatfield and Caledonia, class two A, section uh, section one. That's actually at Casson Manorville on Friday night. Neutral site. Well, very good. Yeah, it's it's a fun time of year. We'll have. Plenty of coverage, startscreen.com, the various hub websites. Check us out, and uh, thanks for listening.